Welcome to Something Blue, wedding planning with a 21st century bride and groom. My name is Aaron. I'm the bride. My name is Maxwell. I'm the groom. Today marks 238 days till our wedding day. <laughs> now, as a disclaimer, these are our personal opinions and experiences. Our whole purpose of this documentary and podcast is to explore how our experiences shape how we view weddings and marriage and the many stereotypes and traditions that surround it. This is not a commentary on anyone else's choices in their wedding planning process or marriage. You do you, bitch. So let's get into it. <laughs> you sounded really excited to say 238 days. Uh, it's exciting. Yeah. You know. Uh, yesterday was our official eight-month mark. I know. We I have did. a countdown. We it's did. wonderful. <laughs> I did have a little bit of sadness just because, you know, it very, very possibly could be postponed. And mm. so... Uh, but we decided to be happy either way. I'm hopeful. So, yeah. I mean. This week, we will be talking about different reception traditions. Mm. Um, if you missed our ceremony traditions episode, go back and listen to that one. Because um, if you weren't afraid of evil spirits on your wedding day, you should be. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But um, we thought just as uh, lots of things in the ceremony are rooted in certain traditions and uh, derived from different places and different ideas, we wanted to go through the same with the many uh, kind of traditional reception aspects as well. It's kind of funny is like the wedding ceremony stuff was all about evil spirits. This stuff is kind of like being afraid of other people, like other people being weird and crappy. Well, it's so funny, actually, I noticed. So all the way up until the conclusion of the ceremony, they're afraid of evil spirits. And then right <laughs> after, everyone just wants you to have a baby. That's yeah. it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it's, you know, don't don't upset the ghosts and then have a child like that's <laughs> that is exactly what people i that's, mean i don't want to generalize but that's, that's what a wedding is you know <laughs> ghosts and babies ghosts and babies <laughs> <laughs> so max when you think of a wedding reception what comes to your mind just not even ours just in general if like an alien were to come down to earth and be like oh so you guys you have the ceremony and then what happens afterwards um we all have dinner and drink and talk about the two people. Like if that, if I, yeah, talk about, talk about, <laughs> talk about the bride and groom or groom and groom, bride and bride, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> if I were describing it to an alien and I had to give like a log line pitch to him, you know, <laughs> one sentence, you know, we eat and we gossip <laughs> <laughs> basically. Okay. Well, um, the origins of receptions actually, it, so it's, very often was um, either like we were talking about in the ceremony, a transaction or, or a religious ceremony at a church. Right. Um, but the reception was usually held at the bride's family home and um, it was surrounded around the serving of a meal. Yeah. Uh, most parties, I mean, even way back then, it was, you know, surrounded around this idea that we're going to eat together. We're going to break bread. Mm -hmm. um, the family's financial standing dictated the style of the reception. So a wealthier family might host a fancy ball while like a middle class family might host an afternoon luncheon and tea. That makes sense. Yeah. And then a lower class family would often opt out of a reception mm -hmm. um, just because they couldn't afford to host everybody and provide food. And it actually wasn't until the 1950s that guest lists grew and people could no longer host weddings at their homes, like not even like really wealthy people. 
Just because the guest list is so big, like, can't fit everybody? Yeah, so up until, like, the 1950s, it was really just for kind of an immediate family relative mm-hmm. uh, gathering um, just because they thought, oh, we have to host it at our house, and w- our house can only hold, you know, 20, 30 people. Mm-hmm. Um, Unless you got a big house. Right, but even then, like, I mean, they would have a ball, but it would <laughs> I, it would not extend above 50 people. Right. Um, and now the average guest count for an American wedding today is 131 guests. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. And that w- that statistic was taken pre-COVID. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> now the uh, average guest count is four. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but wherever the reception is held, um, traditionally speaking, guests were greeted with a receiving line in which the bridegroom, hosts, and parents would greet every single guest. So right after the ceremony, actually sometimes um, they would either do it at the church or it would be immediately once they got to the reception area, they would have a line and very, very similar to funerals mm-hmm. where the, the Berea family is visited by all attendees of the funeral. Like the, is it the wake? Yeah. Um, yeah. Or like a community theater performance where the cast Stop. stands outside. Very similar <laughs> to funerals. Um <laughs> <laughs> and they basically uh and this was like a courtesy for the guests because it is considered even now it's kind of taboo um for the bride and groom to not speak with every guest yeah. at some point during the reception so that it was usually okay we're gonna greet everybody it's gonna be this long line we're gonna be exhausted and then we're gonna go and eat and then they did the rest of the stuff yeah that makes sense so while that you know, greeting line sounds like a whole heap of fun. Uh, we, we're we not going to do that. No. Um, what we are going to kind of do to make sure we see everybody and say hi is while everybody's eating, because right before dinner, you and I will have gone up and gotten a bite to eat just to make sure that yeah. we don't starve ourselves because we're going to be super busy. Mm-hmm. So we set aside a time to go eat. But then while everybody else is eating dinner, we're going to go table to table and mm-hmm. just, you know, make sure to say hi to everybody. Right. And then, of course, um, we probably won't be able to spend too much time with everyone. So we are also doing a wedding brunch after the day yes. after um, to kind of say hi to out of town guests yeah. and things like that. Um, so there are lots of things to do. You do not have to do that. Like we say, you literally don't have to do anything you don't want to do, even if it's considered rude. If you yeah. don't end up talking to every single guest. Well, then they're going to have to be understanding. You are very busy. And also, at the end of the day, it's about the two of you. And mm-hmm. I would rather see you um, and spend time with you yeah. <laughs> than, um, you know, make sure that I shake hands with every single guest. Exactly. Um, so a traditional uh, wedding timeline in nowadays uh, looks kind of like this. So they do the ceremony, right? And there are two timelines that you can operate under Mm -hmm. you can choose to take photos before the ceremony or after the ceremony this will dictate what you choose to do basically with your entire reception yeah so because a lot of people they want to have the first time the groom sees the bride is at the ceremony a lot of people opt for the first look so for for those people that are set on the ceremony being that first time mm-hmm. um, they'll have like the cocktail hour in yes. between the the ceremony and the reception mm-hmm. so that they can have, you know, those pictures. Right. And it really just depends on your preference. And, and um, lots of people still do operate under that uh, idea that it's really, really important for the mm-hmm. 
bride and groom not to see each other until they walk down the aisle. However, um, and we will dive hard into this in our photography episode, but um, opting for a first look instead where you're able to take a majority, if not all of the photos prior to your ceremony Mm -hmm. is going to maximize time um, during your reception. It's going to be so much easier on us. Yeah. yeah. There's so much to cram into your reception um, that, that, that (laughs) like hour and a half to two hours that you're taking photos. um, It can really be devoted to tons of other things. So I really recommend considering doing a first look and then even like nixing the cocktail hour. Yeah. However, that's not necessarily the traditional timeline. And so um, if you are opting for taking photos right after your ceremony, you are going to have to have a cocktail hour. Yeah. This is usually when the reception starts for your guests. Um, and so it can be anywhere from a half hour to two hours sometimes. Mm. I mean, yeah. it really just depends on how many photos you want to take. Um, That's where like the size of the wedding party comes into play too. Yeah, because you are taking photos with you and your partner as well as your whole family and all of your bridal party. And then um, as you go down a shot list, you realize that there's so many variations of those pictures that you want to take that um, a lot of times it just does take quite a while. So our feelings about the cocktail hour aside, that usually happens and then you transition into um, the reception hall or wherever you are having the reception also um if you have a ceremony and reception in different places that time is usually spent for guests to commute from wherever you were getting married to wherever you are having your party Mm -hmm. um and then the next event is the newlyweds grand entrance so this can be as elaborate or as simple as you want as well um oftentimes the guests have already found their seats they're already relaxed and chilling And this is usually when people take the time to introduce their bridal party um, and when they will say their names and stuff. Um, I know we've been to a couple weddings where that happened. We transitioned from one location to another and then uh, the bridal party came out Mm -hmm. and then, you know, a song is played and they're like introducing Mr. and Mrs. Blank. Right. Yeah. Uh, And they walk out Um, right after this traditionally is when the couple has their first dance. Right after? Mm-hmm. Oh, right okay. after. The, like, they literally come into the room and onto the dance floor and have their first dance. Huh. I didn't yeah. know that. Um, and so that happens. And then afterwards, and this is just traditionally speaking, usually um, they will do, like, the cheers and toasts. So it's like, okay, the bride and groom arrive, they dance, and then speeches are made. Now, this is to, again, optimize time. Uh, and like kind of keep guests attention because if you were to like serve dinner and then in the middle of dinner ask for everybody's attention and do this you know in half hour increments or whatever it's gonna get kind of jumbled so a lot of people will make the guests wait to eat do all of these things and then they will serve dinner yeah so that's why you see things like okay we're gonna have our first dance we're gonna do the cheers and the toasts all of that uh after that they will serve food um, and then there will be that dinner time. Um, after that, the parents usually have a dance with the bride and groom uh, and any other organized dances that the bride and groom opt for, like the money dance, any kind of choreographed dance that they choose to do, all yeah. that. Um, and then afterwards, they kind of open up the dance floor. Um, and then there's like a little bit of dancing followed by the bouquet and garter toss. Yeah. I'm not sure why <laughs> it's in this order. Uh, just maybe to give people a break. 
yeah i guess so um i do i do get that like holding people's attention for so long makes people like kind of antsy um but they will open up the dance floor they will do the bouquet and garter toss and then they will cut the cake about one hour before the conclusion of the reception Mm -hmm. um and this is something that i didn't actually know i i thought that you know meal was served and then the cake was cut and then you know you do the formalities um but Chili no. cake is really like, all right, you got to start packing up. Right. Like it, it's like one hour before they're usually like, okay, we're going to have dessert now. And then there's some more dancing and then, and then the party concludes. And that's when people um, oftentimes will do like a send off. Yeah. And so um, nowadays they will have guests line up and make like a little uh, walkway from the reception all the way to like the car or wherever they're leaving. And they'll have like sparklers or, ribbons or whatever they want to throw and and then they'll leave the bride and groom will leave and then they'll leave it to everybody else to clean up (laughs) (laughs) which is real nice yeah that's not something we're gonna be able to do (laughs) (laughs) but uh doesn't it sound great um so that is like when i that is via the knot which is one of like the go-to wedding planner websites um that is what a traditional wedding reception looks like so when you sit down with your planner that is what they are going to go based off of you can customize it in any way you want however they are going to like basically have that in the back of their brain as the go-to so let's talk about these events that happen in the reception Mm -hmm. for example the garter toss right away starting off problematic right how are we feeling about the garter toss i do not like the garter toss and here no shade to people who are doing it uh or to people who have done it i get it but i don't i i don't like it for me right i know a lot of people have had fun with it um but it's not something we're particularly attached to so how did it originate so um it originated in ancient france or england somewhere around there um, people used to try to steal the bride's stockings as her and the groom were <clears throat> escorted to their chambers because, you know, they needed to know that the marriage was consummated. You know, they had to have that proof. So uh, they also tried to hit the bride and groom on the head with the stockings to symbolize good luck and fertility. No. Why yeah. they So, like, just, like, wedding guests would just, like, be like, hee, 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 I'm going to yeah, get I, your stockings. I stole your socks while you were, you know, consummating. Aren't, isn't she wearing shoes? I, not if she takes <laughs> her socks off and consummates. Oh, I don't know why she would. True. I, w- I don't know why she would have to take her socks off to do that. So but were they stealing the stockings before they go into the room or during? during? <gasps> <laughs> I would, that's what I assume. So they, they didn't. Um, so they didn't particularly like this um, tradition after a while. So the groom would throw the stockings at the crowd so they, the bride and groom could get away peacefully. So it's basically oh. just a diversion. Like, here, go after the socks, boy. <laughs> Run oh away. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so, yeah. So I knew it was a sim- like a, a gesture of, like, okay, I'm going to take off this piece of right. you now that's, like, a symbol that we're going to consummate, right. right? But I didn't know that they would literally, like, not only would they sneak in, during the event but then they would try to hit you yeah <laughs> there's no stocking that's i'm smarter <laughs> so nowadays 
It's done as a playful gesture where the groom goes under the bride's dress in front of everyone and throws this sweaty garter band that has been around her leg all day. And not just like her leg, her thigh. Mm -hmm. And I can guarantee you that 95% of those brides, her thighs touch. It's going to be sweaty. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that I clapped into the microphone. I feel strongly about Mm this. Um, And so then he flings this like garter. So it's just like a piece. It's like a stretchy piece of like usually silk with lace it's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. um and he flings it into this crowd of people that the bride's like most likely related to yeah and it's now some people will only put it on like for the toss um and they won't wear it all day it's just like a symbol and i think that's even weirder do you think it's weirder that they just put it on just for the toss then i'm like what is even the point? <laughs> you know, like I. Uh, it's all about you know fertility and making babies. That is, yeah, I know. Well, and that they symbolize as good luck, and oh, we're gonna hit you on the head, and that's good <laughs> luck, and woohoo, we're gonna make babies. I just, I, this sounds like I'm hating on the garter toss. <laughs> um, and for me, when I think about you going under my dress in front in of front our of families. my family. It just makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, no, that's now, fair. I know that your parents did it. I know my parents did it. I know that our friends who are getting married might opt to do it. That's mm-hmm. totally fine. And you know what? I'm going to go, woohoo, good for you guys the whole time. Love it. Love to see the happy couple. However, for me, I am worried about saying <laughs> my vows, let alone like displaying my sweaty garter band yeah like no, that's fair yeah so so mm-mm. and in fact the bouquet toss has a similar kind of origin not necessarily as mm. um scandalous <laughs> but um so it also originated in ancient england i don't know what ancient means like it's, it's it's such a vague ago. thing a very long time ago the olden days um People used to rip up the bride's dress and flowers after the wedding because it was thought to bestow good luck and fortune to those who got one. So not only were the stockings good luck, but ripping up the bouquet and taking a piece of the bride's dress meant good luck for you if you could hold on to that. Can you imagine if people did that now? Just, that's upsetting well it, it's it's truly uh, they're gonna owe me some money yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> um yeah so due to the harassment um <laughs> and sometimes brutal nature of this mob mentality uh brides started to begin the tradition of tossing their bouquets in one direction in order to leave in the other direction <laughs> and therefore escape <laughs> rowdy attendees and leave the wedding in peace that it's just incredible. the same thing it's the garter toss here go get the stick Run away. And That's with a bouquet, amazing. go get the stick, well, run away. <laughs> and you have to think, like, I, I mean, these are these people's family and friends, right? But they're also family and friends that are so excited, also are very drunk, usually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially when we're talking about ancient England, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they had nothing better to do. They didn't have clean water. They had <laughs> ale, and that's what they drank as a base. Well, and oftentimes, people really splurge at weddings and still do. So they look at it as like, I'm going to treat myself. Like, even yeah. attending a wedding, it's a big <laughs> deal. So it's like, okay, I'm going to put on my best dress. I'm going to drink uh, until they tell me that it's going to cost me money. And <laughs> then I'm going to rip up someone's dress, apparently. Uh, so now... All in good sport, really. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Not not according to the bride. <laughs> she seriously had to distract the mob. <laughs> it's 
So now it's a symbolic gesture, meaning to signify which woman will be the next to marry. So after the garter toss happens, um, the bride will get up and she'll have her bouquet and she'll be like, okay, all of the single women get in a group. And all the single women kind of saunter to the dance floor and they kind of look at everybody and well i think it's just as vicious as when they used to rip up the dresses because i've seen bouquet tosses where women just tackle each other for that thing well because it's in good fun right and it's like a spirit of competition but my problem is it's like okay i'm gonna single out the fact that you're not married yet (laughs) and it gets kind of awkward you know it's the same thing as having like a singles dance during the reception i i just feel like it's it's kind of um I, it, it doesn't feel and that that's actually how people will incorporate it now is they will have like, OK, all the single uh, women like come out to the dance floor and dance to Beyonce single ladies. And then we're going to do the, you know, bouquet toss. I have a problem with it for a few reasons. One, because I don't think that you should single out anybody like that. I, th- right. I just think it's kind of rude during this time of like we're celebrating my love. Now come to the dance floor so that I can show everyone that you have not found love. (laughs) Um, And lots of people don't look at it that way. Um, And some people do think that this is good luck. If I catch it, that means I'm going to find love next. Yeah, it's a hope to find love. Right. But also, uh, no, it's not. It's just like a gesture. I've seen people like when they do the garter toss for the men, the single men, and the bouquet toss for the single women, I've seen people be like, well, whoever catches it, that's a you know a good match. And I'm like, that's kind of odd. Well, it's uh, inherently upsetting if they are family members who catch it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, or like, I mean, if I were to throw my bouquet in the air and Abby catches it, it's like nobody's going to be like, oh, you're next. Like, that's yeah, not exactly. true. So, <laughs> They'll be very sad for all the older right. women. <laughs> And lots of people <laughs> like the pictures, like, oh, my gosh, I have the most beautiful picture of my grandma on her wedding throwing the bouquet. Um, but I love it because she looks beautiful and it's an awesome picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of people still like they tend to do it because they want that photo and they think it's a fun sentiment. And like, OK, that's totally fine. And again, if I'm at my friend's wedding and they have a oh, well, I won't be able to do it anymore. I I will. I won't be eligible well, you're not eligible now. <laughs> you're I'm with not? me. Oh, well, yeah, but it's not like official. Oh. <laughs> you know. Give me that ring back. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so if, if people do it, then it is usually for just like that kind of fun photo op and a fun thing to incorporate a lot of your female friends. And um, yeah, so it's just. Uh, it's something that I don't like enough to dedicate time to. And I think Mm -hmm. that when you go through these things, um, figure out which ones you want to dedicate like a 20, 30 minute thing to, because it sounds like it's going to take five minutes, but it's not. No, no, like it's a whole thing. Um, bouquet and garter toss. You're going to have to like carve out a good 30 minutes of it. Right. And we just don't have that kind of time. No, I, (laughs) I would rather just be able to talk to guests, you know, and, and party and, and, eat and (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know are you ready for a really good segue yes okay so we're talking about (laughs) luck right (laughs) i don't think it's a good segue if you had to say i'm gonna do a segue (laughs) well let me let me try it okay Okay. so we're talking about how the bouquet toss and the garter toss this is a symbol of like luck for for the next happy people Mm -hmm. um 
Well, luck is also another way to say fortune. And talking about fortune, let's talk about the money dance. (laughs) You know, it would have worked really well if you hadn't said, hey, I'm going to give you a segue now. I think it's way funnier if I do that. So, well, let's talk about the money dance. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) um, the money dance uh, comes from, like, everywhere. Okay. So, it's hard to pinpoint an origin, but... Uh, we all love money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, a lot of you know immigration to the United States, a bunch of cultures coming in together. Usually, like that's what they say is like around New York is when it really started to be um, popular in America. Okay. But it was believed to be an old Polish tradition that started in the early 1900s. It was also known as the apron dance. Because the bride or her father would wear an apron with a large pocket in front of it for collecting the money. Ooh. Um, yeah, just imagine a big old pocket just right in front of you. My dress has pockets. Your dress has pockets? <laughs> we are going to use those for <laughs> for money. <laughs> when we went and found my dress, um, because um, the only thing Max knows about my dress is that it has pockets because I was just too excited. Yeah. La, 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 um, la, 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 no, 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 no. You already know this. Okay. Um, but I... You know, I was wearing my dress, looking at it, loving it, right? And then my arms kind of fell to my sides and slipped into pockets. <laughs> and I looked at my mom and my sister and your mom, and I went, oh, it has pockets. And at the very same time, me and your mom said something about what the pockets would be for. <laughs> your mom said, oh, for your tissues and at the very same moment i said for snacks (laughs) (laughs) but then a little later Haley goes for your money yeah the money dance yes (laughs) so um in this polish tradition uh in return for placing a silver dollar in the apron or sometimes a glass jar um, a male guest could dance with a bride and then afterwards receive a piece of wedding cake and a drink mm. um, from the bar. Um, it was considered bad luck for a guest to not dance with the bride. So a man could throw his silver dollar into the dish, and if he broke it with his throw, he could collect his coin and dance with the bride for free. So it turned into like this this game for the guests as well, which I guess is is kind of nice and kind of fun. So just, they're just like throwing money, and just, if what do you mean, like if they break the coin? No, no, so no. Oh, if they so break the jar, the, the glass jar. So they oh. just chuck it into the glass jar, and if they broke the glass jar, they they won a free dance, basically. <laughs> well, only one person could win because then everybody else just throws it at this glass shards. <laughs> Well, that's where the apron comes in. They're like, all right, this guy already won. Isn't that wild? Yeah. So um, this tradition comes in so many different forms. Uh, some cultures, uh, they, they'll they celebrate by licking like a dollar bill Ooh. and then stick it on the bride's forehead. Like that was their way of giving her money. Um, others pin them on a sash. The bride will wear a sash and they yeah, just I've pin dollars that. on it. Like everybody has their own way of celebrating it. And uh, Every way is fascinating in its own right. I really, I really like each of these. I, some people think the money dance is like tacky or rude. I actually really like it because it, um, it encourages you to have that moment with each of the guests. Mm -hmm. And now, um, they, it's not just the bride, it's the bride and groom. So, um, 
the bride will be on one side of the dance floor and the groom will be on the other side. And traditionally speaking, they'll have the men line up for the bride and the women line up for the groom. But I don't think that it needs to. I mean, like. No, and even even modern weddings now, it's, it, it doesn't matter. It's just whoever wants to dance with whoever. Like, I mean, at uh, my cousin's wedding, my dad and uncle danced with my cousin yeah. who was the groom. I danced with my uncle Rick at their wedding. Yeah. I was like seven years old. <laughs> well, actually, it was. I. This made me sad because we were at my cousin's wedding and um, I was in line to dance with my cousin and the groom and I didn't have any cash. And so I had my phone up like all ready to make this funny joke. And um, I walk up to him and I was like, hey, so I don't have any cash, but like, what's your Venmo? And like, <laughs> I thought it was really funny. I was totally prepared to Venmo him some money to, to dance. And he like didn't know what Venmo was. <laughs> and it made, me, it made me really mad because like I thought it was funny and he didn't laugh because he didn't understand. I laughed because I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> and while I didn't hear the words you said because you were across the room, mm-hmm. I saw his face and I thought it was hilarious. Well, I know. And then he, he ends up going, just dance with me for free, but don't tell anyone. Like, well, now everybody knows because everybody's going to listen to this podcast and know right. your secret. Okay. But like they already paid him. <laughs> So like <laughs> too late. Right. Um, no. So I actually do like the money dance. I like that. It inherently encourages you to see your guests and mm-hmm. talk to them and stuff. I just like it. And in, in all cultures, as they describe it, it's, it's always been for the honeymoon and funding mm-hmm. the honeymoon. Some, some people say it's for funding the, the child, which is, you know, contributing to this. <laughs> the idea. honeymoon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So um, it's always all in good fun and all in support of the bride and groom. Yeah. Another tradition um, is the cake cutting itself. So um, we talk a lot about uh, different options for cakes um, in our something else segment about catering. However, if you do opt for any type of cake cutting, um, this has been done since the medieval times. So people actually used to throw cake at the bride to, again, symbolize fertility it's a big thing yeah and the the cake had to be white because purity mm-hmm. symbolized purity and fertility um the cutting of the cake by both the bride and the groom symbolized their first task as a married couple uh-huh. i know and feeding each other is a symbol of commitment it's a simple task so they, they want to start off real easy and make yet sure you see videos and people really struggle <laughs> People for real sure. You and I practice at our engagement party. I posted it on our Instagram. Check us out at uh, Something Blue Podcast. Um, <laughs> but we uh, practiced at our engagement party. I got us a little personal like bunt cake and we practiced cutting it. Uh, that was in. a good cake. It was really good. Um, <laughs> and we struggled too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think it's a lot of nerves and excitement. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, traditionally speaking. Um, the cake was white, symbolized fertility, and they would throw cake at the bride. Jeez, the bride's just getting messed up at this ceremony. Also, um, oftentimes, <laughs> the, again, during medieval times, people would put pe- slices of cake under her pillow, again, to symbolize this like kind of fertility and, and wealth. And people, like, people used to really associate food with wealth and... Mm-hmm. Um, like just kind of, it was a symbol of like, we want you to have, mm-hmm. and we want you to grow. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to give you cake yeah, <laughs> and then your stomach will grow. Well, did you know, people believed that like apples and raisin cakes were aphrodisiacs. Really? Yeah. It was like, like old, old 
times. Is that where fruitcake comes from? Probably. Mm, I, I, maybe not. Uh, not, not. Not exactly, but... <laughs> we'll, we'll do our research on that when we get back to you. Um, but In our Christmas episode, we'll do our research on <laughs> so fruitcakes. So, saving the top layer of the cake. This is something that a lot of people still do if they have a tiered cake. Um, the top layer of the wedding cake is usually saved. Uh, in the freezer and had nowadays it's had on the uh, one year anniversary of the couple's marriage however it was traditionally saved by the bride and groom to be used at their future child's christening as it was expected that the bride would be with child within the first year you gonna save a cake that long well within the first year and and lots of people still do they will save a piece of their cake and have it a year later it it can be frozen in a Apparently, it's not ever very good. Yeah. Well, before <laughs> freezers were invented, that would have been a big issue. Yeah, I don't know how they kept it <laughs> pre-freezer. Like, I don't know. Huh. <laughs> I know. It's something to think about, right? Unless you have I just a block like of ice lying. in you. <laughs> I feel like they had another cake, and they were like, yeah, this was the top of our cake. And they're like, wow, it kept so well. <laughs> it doesn't look a day over a day old. <laughs> Um, so some of the other traditions, <laughs> we're really excited about this episode. We're, yeah, this episode's a fun one. <laughs> um, uh, another part of it is just the traditional meal. Um, we get into so much detail about this again in our something else, mm-hmm. uh, segment. However, this is just usually a sit down meal. Um, but it's evolved to be something as customizable as the bride and groom want. Um, but again, the reception is really still centered around having that meal. Yeah. And I do think it's nice to be able to have like literally all of your loved ones in one room. Like that's rare. It's the first like true blending of families. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I have always liked that. Yeah. And too. I love food. So. Yeah. <laughs> Another common thing that is still done at virtually every single wedding, um, but will not be done at ours is the mm. first dance. Um, the this dates back to when kings and queens were like a common occurrence. Um, I didn't know how else to say that. <laughs> um, yeah. During the days of the monarchy, yeah. Yeah, so they're a common occurrence. <laughs> so the guest of honor would open the dance floor with a first dance. Um, this happened on any occasion that people were attending a ball. Right. So actually, I wow. Um, we just finished watching Bridgerton on yeah. Netflix. So, 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 so good. I fully 100% recommend for anyone that likes entertainment. Yeah. Um, it was so perfect for us to watch right now because it's all about, um, people in like the 1800s that are, um, like of high society that, um, like, what are they called? Debutantes. Yeah. And they, um, they're all all takes place within like the marital season where everybody's trying to get hitched. And so they like display these young women and like just the things that the women have to go through and like the, um, status and how everybody views different things that nowadays are just like common. Like, I mean, this guy was about to die because he kissed a girl. Like, and that's like so scandalous. You don't, um, be alone with somebody until after you're married. Mm-hmm. Like you need a chaperone. It was just like, watch it. If you are in any way interested in what that kind of society was like, 
Um, not only because that's so fascinating to see like how marriage has truly evolved, but also because it was so good. Yeah, it's like, a good show. It's a good story. So yeah, I mean. and it's a, it's a fiction, but it's very rooted in um those traditions and and like looking at what society viewed <clears throat> marriage as, and it looks at it both through a scope of people that were like in high society and also people that were low income and who didn't participate in that. Right. Like what their marriage, uh, how that was different if there was not like a financial transaction involved. Yeah. So fascinating. So anyway, um, this was often done like even in this show. Um, and people used to be trained in dances done during a ball. And this is why only select few on the dance floor would start. <laughs> that way other people could like watch and pick it up. <laughs> so like and like in the show, you will see that there's maybe four or five couples that will be dancing at one time because um, they, you could say, oh, it was crowded or oh, that's just about them. But really, it was because not everybody knew <laughs> the dances and they weren't all just like gyrating on the dance floor like we do now. Yeah. Um, so I just think that's so fascinating and so the first dance um in when it was originated was not just for weddings it was for any kind of ball or dance gathering uh, for the guests of honor yeah and i just think it's so so fun <laughs> that t that i know that and i love it even more knowing we're not doing that <laughs> yeah, exactly so another big thing that happens at almost every single wedding um, is one or two toasts to the bride and groom. Mm. Um, and this is actually this is really interesting. Uh, the first known use of the word toast, as, as in to give a toast, is from Shakespeare's Merry Wives of Windsor, um, where the character Falstaff asks for a drink and for them to put a toast in it. Oh. Um, and this term comes from uh, old Roman traditions of drinking their wine with a piece of stale or burnt bread in it. They would just like dunk bread in their wine and drink it from that. Um, and the bread was supposed to soak up the acidity, make the bread more edible because it was all, you know, stale and gross. Mm -hmm. um, and so the first use of, of a toast. But like not called toast, just like right. the gesture of like right. speech. Yeah. So the Roman the Roman tradition that it's based on, um, it dates back to ancient Greek and Roman times when they were raising a glass to the gods and saying a few words to bless everyone's health. And that was like a standard practice. Every mm -hmm. meal, they'd, they'd pour some out for the gods. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, no, that's... Pour this out for Zeus. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like an offering to the gods. And that's, okay. you know, um, that's how they paid their respects. Um, so, but in uh, in the Middle Ages, people were, <laughs> people were so distrustful of one another mm -hmm. that they poured the same wine into all of their glasses to prevent any one of them from being poisoned okay. so they're like i i'm afraid you're gonna poison me so we're all gonna share the same wine so <laughs> so that if i'm poisoned we're all dead you know um and so that in in relation to to weddings um it was adopted when uh, like a war mm -hmm. would usually end with a marriage between the different factions like uh son and daughter mm -hmm. you know they would they would create a truce basically with a with a wedding um and it's a, like a symbol of of trust between like this truth is truce is gonna stay okay so like your family and my family were at war but then instead of being at war they were like you know what let's yeah. just be family instead yeah. once yeah exactly once the war <laughs> ended they're like hey you know 
you did good, I did good, uh, truce. And they're like, okay, well, I can't just take your word for it. Uh, marry my, have your son marry my right. daughter. Right, and then make sure that you don't poison me in, <laughs> exactly. in the process. Exactly. So, so because of this like fear of being poisoned, the father of the bride would make a toast and drink to show that the wine was not poisoned. And it later became a tradition just observed in all weddings, not just one that had anything to do with war. Oh. <laughs> so nowadays, um, there's a lot less poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's it's really turned into this tradition for the maid of honor and best man to do speeches. And I'm going to say they usually don't turn out so well. Because not everybody's a public speaker. No. And um, <laughs> here's my reasoning for why they don't go over so well. Um, because people either view it as something that they need to make into a stand-up comedy routine, and right. that usually ends up offending one party or the other, um, because they treat it kind of like a roast. Um, and while you may see like those viral videos of like the best, best man speech or whatever, it's still usually like pretty awkward Yeah. or it will be all inside jokes that maybe you'll get the bride to laugh at and the maid of honor will laugh, you know, because they know about it. But um, for the rest of the guests, right. It's kind of uh, isolating. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I just and we, we we chatted about that in our ceremony episode, how we feel about toasts and speeches, because we are opting for them to write something in their bios in the programs mm-hmm. instead. Um, something that can be edited. Right. But also <laughs> you have to consider by the time that toasts are done, there has been an entire ceremony an entire cocktail hour mm-hmm. and a, and traditionally not a dinner, but at least two and a half hours where this party has had things to drink. Mm-hmm. And I really say that speeches usually nowadays don't go over well because people have been drinking. Yeah. Like that's just that on that. You can write the most eloquent, beautifully well thought out thing. But if you're not a public speaker, you can get nervous. I and think then that's, yeah. most people get nervous. So then they start drinking. Yeah, I was going to say. And then it just doesn't end up working <laughs> and it just kind of is it it's awkward and i think it disrupts the flow of an otherwise really nice party um and it just yeah it's if you so here's my suggestion if you are going to ask your maid of honor or best man to speak um you ask them to have something prepared you say hey just make sure that there's not too many inside jokes cuz we don't want to isolate all our guests and also you can very politely ask, like, um, hey, just, like, let's, you and I have some drinks together after the toast. Right. Like, and if you are worried about that person getting super drunk and being embarrassing or whatever, which happens, it's not anybody's fault, um, maybe don't ask them to do a speech. Yeah. You know? Uh, unless that's something you want to see. And in that case, <laughs> do it. Um, parents will also opt to say something, uh, usually at the rehearsal dinner, um, just because oftentimes it is like traditional for the groom's parents to pay for the rehearsal dinner uh, mm-hmm. where the bride's parents pay for the wedding. Obviously that's not a thing anymore. Um, <laughs> but like parents and other party members and stuff will usually have things to say during the rehearsal dinner or they will feel spontaneous and want to say something during the reception. Right. It's really customizable and it's whatever you think the flow will best be with the other order of your events during the reception. Right. Usually preceding the toast, there is a clinking of glasses. Somebody will take like a silverware and just clink the glass to mm-hmm. to let everybody know I'm about to say something. <laughs> um, and originally it was used to spook the spirits. 
Boo. Boo. So uh, this tradition can be traced back to ancient Christian myth that the sound of the clinking scares the devil away and the bride and groom can kiss safely. Always trying to get the evil spirits are everywhere, man. (laughs) So it's still done today uh, to encourage the couple to kiss, not necessarily because of, you know, spooky spirits. And although we don't know your motives, Um, I will say if you're coming to our wedding, please don't do this. Firstly, because um, we won't have glasses. They will be plastic cups. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also because I find it very awkward. And um, I I don't want everyone looking at us when we kiss. Yeah. I'm, I'm having We're- a really hard time with the showing of affection at my wedding. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're... <laughs> We're going to be kissing anyway. We don't need to be told to do so. I know. You know? Don't tell me what to do with your plastic yeah. <laughs> cups. <laughs> Again, this is something that um, you can encourage as much as you want or discourage as much as you want. Some people will go the extra mile and they'll actually put bells on their reception tables that say, like, ring for a kiss. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that. Um, and so then, like, they have this, like, charming little bell that's always going off. And I'm just going to say... I don't want to stop what I'm doing to give you a kiss. <laughs> I will kiss you when I feel the moment is right. Yeah. You know? Because I'm going to try and sneak a little pizza in here and there. <laughs> and I don't want to kiss you with my saucy lips. You know? Right. That's just... <laughs> it, we're truly just trying to be respectful of one another. I'm trying to eat, too. I don't want to starve <laughs> on my wedding day. So now with all of these origins and traditions in mind... Um, we will give you a little glimpse into what we decided to do for our day and how we are customizing it and optimizing time. Mm -hmm. And um, we really did sit down and look at all these traditions and say, okay, which ones do we really like? Which ones uh, can we do away with? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just something that I definitely think that you and your partner should sit down and have a conversation about as well. Yeah, because we want more time to, you know, party and see everybody. Right. And if you feel that way, but your partner is like, well, I really wanted to, you know, sling your garter at my friends. Well, then, like, (laughs) have that conversation, you know. (laughs) But um, what we're doing. So here's how the order of our day is going. We opted for a first look. Mm -hmm. So um, we are going to be having photos taken prior and we have opted out of a uh, cocktail hour altogether. Right. Um, so we are having ceremony and then what we are doing because our, uh, wedding is in the same place for ceremony and reception. It's just the ceremony is in one room and then the reception like dinner tables outside. Um, we're kind of jumbling things around a bit. So we will be, as in me and Max will be walking up the stairs to the second level of our, uh, to like, venue yeah so like the suites and stuff yeah so what we're going to be doing is our photographer requested that we have uh, a little bit of time during the day or, or during that hour to take some photos um just with the sun setting um and so that should take about 10 minutes she said she promised um <laughs> and then we are going to have our uh, maid of honor and our best man bring us up some pizza yes this is something i highly recommend considering isolating some time right after your ceremony or at some point during your reception and have some time for just you and your partner. Um, Max and I are using this time to actually eat because anyone who has been married will tell you they did not get to eat unless they deliberately made the decision to. And even then, oftentimes it was quick and it was interrupted multiple times. 
So we are choosing to have the food taken up to us so that we can share our meal. And that way, when we go down to greet guests, we have already eaten and can really like focus on being present at the party and not being irritated that we didn't get to eat. Right. Um, so then that will be about a half hour. Guests will have found their seats and will have started getting food. Um, and then we are going to have our grand entrance, which is literally just going to be us coming down the stairs. They're going to play a song and we walk to our sweetheart table. And because we are not going to be doing a send off, mm. we have chosen this time for a grand entrance to um, allow our guests to kind of line up, make that walkway and um, greet us as we go into our reception, basically. Right. And instead of them throwing crap at us. <laughs> They're going <laughs> to blow stuff at us. Um, <laughs> we are providing guests with bubbles and bubble guns, and they are going to blow bubbles as we um, as we walk to the table. Uh, and this is really, again, just for photos, but also because we really love bubbles and um, <laughs> also because Abby is our flower girl who's blowing bubbles, and so we wanted to incorporate her again in a way so she can use those as well. Um, and we just thought it would be kind of cute and that way we have that gesture of like everyone lining up and us walking through um but we're not like planning a send-off even though we're not leaving like it's just kind of awkward logistically speaking so we are optimizing our time and we're just using the grand entrance as also that kind of send-off style lineup for our guests right so then after our grand entrance um we have dedicated another almost an hour Um, for our guests to just sit and enjoy the food. Um, During that time, we are going to go around, like we said, to each table and just say hi to guests. Um, We're going to take our videographer and get some footage of us kind of greeting each guest um, so that we have that and that we can, like, see every guest in the video. Um, And then we are transitioning right into the cake cutting um, because we opted for a personal cake to be cut and not, like, a giant cake to be shared. Um, and so that's really just, again, a, a kind of a time for a photo op. Uh, and it's just kind of a ceremonial thing that really it's really just the two of us that share and anybody that wants to take a photo of it can. Um, and our DJ will probably be like, hey, uh, they're doing the cake cutting. And then we're all in the same space already. Our cake is right there. We just cut it. Very cute. Right. Um, at that point, what we have decided to do is dedicate about an hour and a half chunk of time um, to the traditional like elements that we want to incorporate so we are uh having a champagne toast we are going to have everyone transition inside um and that's when um max and i will say a little something and we will actually be the only ones to give kind of a toast and it's more of like a thank you to the guests Mm -hmm. um and it's at that point that we are actually instead of a first dance we are opting to show a documentary that is uh, a compilation of all of our loved ones basically saying what they would say in a speech Mm -hmm. um and it's kind of uh in combination with the things that we are doing with this documentary and this podcast what we're exploring um and so it's gonna just be a really cool little video um that we show guests yeah Right after that, we are doing a fun little number because Max and I are musical theater people. <laughs> yeah, so we're opting out of a first dance. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I know a lot of people, they take the first dance and it's really sweet and slow and beautiful. And then other people, you know, opt to do 
like a like a choreographed number and yeah. it's really funny and you know whatever so um instead of that um we you know we're both musical theater people that's that's how we met mm-hmm. we met doing a, a show and so we've opted for uh, a first number yeah um and part of the documentary little, the little mini documentary that we're going to show at the wedding um at the very end of it is going to be the start of that number where we have a video with all of our friends and family of the wedding party and stuff yeah and they're actually going to be singing pieces yeah. of this song if um if you're not familiar with Les Mis, uh, it's it, we're doing Master of the House. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, it's a funny number about an innkeeper and his wife, and they're uh, just kind of obnoxious. <laughs> um, so half of it will be record pre-recorded, and then half of it will kind of be eh, seemingly flash mob style, but um, it will be live. Yeah. And so that's just something that I mean, and there are tons of couples that you'll find these on like YouTube and stuff that do things like this. They I, I know Lin Miranda did a number with his dad for his wedding. It's very cute. <laughs> Look it up. Um, but yeah, just like this kind of number. I have a friend who's working on the. Um, uh, accompaniment for it mm-hmm. and so it's gonna be super personal and, and we're really excited um that goes straight into um what we are actually going to incorporate is our parents uh having a dance uh, that we won't elaborate too much on but um we're just gonna ask our parents to go ahead and share a dance both um my parents and his parents uh together and then um we will then do a, a mother and son dance with max and his mom and then uh father daughter dance with me and my dad if he if he if he wants to he's going to (laughs) i I doubt it so um and then the last thing we'll do as far as dances are concerned is we'll do that money dance um and we'll have it for both of us you know uh, we're not we're not traditionally gonna go with the the bride only and all right you know so if abby walks up and wants to dance with me like i'm not gonna shoo her away because she's a woman and because she doesn't have any money well i'm gonna shoo her away because she doesn't have any money (laughs) (laughs) and the money dance is actually like the last thing that we are asking our guests to um pay attention to um and then they're right after the money dances when our ice cream truck gets there and so dessert is served and the dance floor is open um, some things we're incorporating into our reception throughout the night. We are getting a photo booth. Um, we mm. also have a guest book, but it's kind of like a love letter station instead of a traditional like book that you sign. Um, we're also doing a concession stand, things like that. And we will elaborate all of those details in our decor episode. Yeah. Uh, I am so excited about that <laughs> as well. Um, it's really just going to be like an hour long podcast talking about the dollar tree. <laughs> <laughs> So I think it's time for our Did You Know segment. Uh, Each episode will end with a fun fact, wedding tradition from another part of the world. We each will find a fact. And right now we're in kind of this competition mode where uh, we're trying to make sure that we know each other's facts in order to get points Mm -hmm. and it's really fun and dumb. But uh, do you want to start off or do you want me to? No, I want you to start off because I'm going to bamboozle you. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Our fun fact today comes from india so did you know in india the groom having cold feet just before he ties the knot is pretty much tradition so on his wedding night when the groom enters the room where the ceremony will take place he removes his shoes at the door and women from the bride's family steal them and carry them off and then it is the groom's side of the family they're tasked with finding the hidden shoes 
and if they cannot be located, the groom must barter for them with money, sweets, or other gifts, since he is not allowed to leave without his shoes. That is so fun. <laughs> uh, the shoe stealing is meant to symbolize the blending of the two families and shows how they are ready to share a lifetime of laughter and fun together. And I think it's one of the cutest things in the world. That is so... We should do it. That yeah. is so You want to do that? Well, no, because it's not our culture. I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to appropriate, but right. that is so I think it's adorable. Cute. Yeah. I did not know that. Well, now you know. I'm glad I know. That's really sweet. <laughs> I know. It's so cute. All right. This that. is actually so funny because my did you know also has to do with cold feet. <gasps> did you know that very technically you can sue someone if they leave you at the altar? Here is my uh, <clears throat> case. <laughs> um, so in 2010, a Chicago bride spent $30,000 to reserve a banquet hall, 11000 for flowers and lighting, 10000 for <laughs> music, about 8000 for a photographer, 5000 for a dress, favors about 2000 Four days before the big event, uh, her fiancé called off the wedding. Jeez. She was unable to recoup almost all the money that she had spent, so she filed a $95,000 suit against her runaway groom, citing breach of promise to marry and intentional infliction of emotional distress. Did she win? So here's the thing about that. <laughs> her case was backed up by the Breach of Promise Act that was enacted win- within Illinois in 1947. So the breach of the promise is a common law tort that was abolished in many jurisdictions, but still exists in nearly half the states in the nation. Um, The act supports her case in recovering expenses, but limits recovery to actual damages, which makes it difficult to win a claim of emotional distress. So she lost um, on the very technical point that she filed for emotional distress and not actual damages because done. if she had filed for damages that is that is damages if if you cannot recoup that money yes so what i'm saying is you can but you need to check you the need law to do it correctly and you need to label it very correctly fascinating that you very technically in about half the station states in the nation you will have a common law written down where under certain technicalities, you can sue if your partner leaves before the wedding. That is so funny. Did you know that? You know, that is a lot of information that I did not know. Boom! I got you! <laughs> is it a sign that both of our facts had to do with running away from marriage? I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. I'm not going to look too hard into that. I... Just really, I it came we're, across we're, it and I found it. We're funny. both very, very much like you better not have cold feet. I know. And here's why. <laughs> um, but if you do, here's how to file. <laughs> <laughs> if you're enjoying our podcast, make sure you subscribe and give us a five star view on Apple Podcasts. You can also click on the link to support this podcast, which is found on our episodes page wherever you are listening. Your contribution, no matter the shape or size, helps us continue to produce these episodes and, you know, plan our wedding too. (laughs) And make sure to check out our newest segment, Something Else, where we dive deeper into the logistics of wedding planning that may be stressing you out as we speak. Don't worry, we got you every Monday and Wednesday.
Thank you so much for listening to Something Blue, wedding planning with a 21st century bride and groom. I'm the bride. And I'm the groom. With 238 days to go, happy planning. Don't we need to alter or I will sue. <laughs>